Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Even when it looks like we're headed into what could be the third year of a pandemic, and I know it hasn't been three, four years, but for many of us, we spent most of 2020 in a pandemic. We spent most of 2021 this year trying to figure out the pandemic, and it looks like we might spend, come the fall and possibly 2022, might spend that time dealing with the pandemic. So um, here's the thing, though. Uh, as we deal with the resurgence of the virus and the variants, which would be a really cool name for a horror movie. Wow. Okay, sorry. Uh, as we deal with the, the virus and the variants, um, here's the thing. I know there's a lot of division about masking and vaccines, but do whatever is best for you and your family and your job, okay? I know there's a lot of people that have hesitations to getting vaccinated, and there's a lot of people that are very strong about it, and the same with the mask mandates. And it's, it's okay to be concerned about both and people that have strong feelings about both. It's okay to even be angry about both, depending on which side you're on. Here's what's not okay, though. If we're Christians, it is absolutely positively not okay to hate the other person that has the differing viewpoint from you and be divided about it. Because the Bible leaves absolutely positively no room for that. And before we get started, uh, let, me, let me share this with you uh, and show you why. Didn't turn my clicker on. There we go. Uh, let me share this with you and show you why. Uh, and, and many of you guys are familiar with this passage of Scripture. We've talked about it before in Luke, right, where, where uh, this guy comes up and he says, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord, like, with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the guy says, who is my neighbor? And so what Jesus does is he gives him an example of someone who was like him and then someone who he was opposed to. So in Luke chapter 10, uh, this is what Jesus says. He says, uh, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and the man was someone who was like the person who asked that, a Jewish person, and he says he had been beaten and robbed, and he's laying in the ground. Uh, and all these other people passed by, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And we don't get the context of this, but Samaritan weren't, they weren't just people from another region. They were people whom the Jewish people hated, wanted nothing to do with. Like there was a town, Samaria, where they, they, they lived, and rather than go through that town, even though it was easier to get to where they were going, they would go miles out of their way to go around the town just so they would have nothing to do with them, wouldn't come into contact with them. So Jesus uses that, and the same would apply to us today. Instead of a Samaritan coming, because the idea was the person who was asking, Jesus is like, imagine yourself in this situation where you've been beaten and you've been robbed and you're in need of help. 
And we see Samaritan, it doesn't make sense. But he says, imagine you're a person who's on their way and you're all about the mask mandates and you're, you're going to help issue out mask mandates. Everyone must be masked. But a person who is against it is the one who stops, took pity on you, bandaged your wounds, poured on oil and wine, used his own money and resources to help you. Or if, if, if you're against the math mandate, you're one of the people that like, you know, you go out burning masks and ripping down the signs, but then a person who is for it comes along and takes pity on you, and he helps you, and he bandages you, and he invests his time, his energy, and his money to help you. And you can change that to vaccines or anti-vaccines or whatever you want. But the idea is, is that, hey, regardless of what you're opposed to, if you come across someone who is opposed to that, we don't have the right as Christians to hate them and then as Christians to divide. Because at the end, Jesus says to that guy, hey, you go do the same as he did. And that's what he would tell us, too. We have to go do the same thing. We don't have the right to, 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 again, you can be concerned no matter what side you're on. You can be angry no matter what side you're on. But if you're a Christian, you don't have the right to hate others and then to divide over it. All right. As you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated... This is the last week of a series that we started called Epic Faith Battles of History. Um, and to be honest, we could actually keep this series going for another several weeks because there are so many misunderstandings about faith. But I'm hoping that through this series that we've actually done enough and put enough biblical content out there to help people understand the concept of faith. Right, because it's it's very misunderstood, not just by people outside the church, even people inside the church. Um, so, what I did is I was inspired by, uh, and I told you guys this, but just for anyone who is just joining us, this series on YouTube that was years ago called "Epic Rap Battles of History," and a rap battle is where rap is a type of music. So, rap battle is where musicians. Rather than gangs getting together and fight, uh, they would do battles via song. So one musician would say, here's why I'm better than you, and here's why you're not any good. And then the other musician would say, here's why I'm better and why you're not any good. And then the crowd would decide who won. So what, when YouTube came around, because rap battles existed long before YouTube, but when YouTube came around, they created this channel called Epic Rap Battles of History, where people, they would pit like famous people against famous people. So we, we talked about the one with Trump versus Biden, uh, like Ellen versus uh, Oprah, or famous concepts or movie franchises like uh, Harry Potter versus uh, the Star Wars movies. So again, just, just, just a fun way to pit things against another. Right? So I thought that would be a great way to talk about faith. Because when they did it, people, well, I, I, again, I have to say, it's not Christian. It's secular. So they use secular music 
And when they talk about one another, it's not in a Christian way. It's in a degrading. They use bad language way. Now, I'm not telling you to go watch it. I will admit some of them are hysterical. Some of them make sense, right? We understand why they pitted Trump versus Biden because they were both running for president. That makes sense. Some of them, I think it's just people drinking a lot of alcohol saying, ooh, I would love to see this. Because there were some, right? Um, Bonnie and Clyde versus Romeo and Juliet. I have no idea why. I mean, it doesn't make other than these are both couples who died. I mean, it makes no sense why anyone would want to see those guys rap. Now, I, I, I do think that some of them, there were children who probably wrote in and said, I want to see this. Because Abe Lincoln versus Chuck Norris, probably just a 12-year-old who was mad at his history school teacher and said, I want to see this. Because otherwise, it makes no sense why you would pit those two against each other. Uh, the next one makes even less sense, and I'm a little bit ashamed of it, but it was funny, and it was Stevie Wonder versus Wonder Woman, right? Again, no idea why these, they, other than the name Wonder, and some kid probably said, ooh, Stevie Wonder, Wonder Woman, let's see them go at it. Because, I mean, one is a blind musician, the other one is like comic book character, doesn't even really exist, had a great TV show in the 70s, great first movie, second one was not worth watching. So there's no reason to pick. And what's sad, Stevie Wonder won, in my opinion, right? It, it was, he was just, again, don't watch it because there's some, some bad language in it, but it's hysterical if you do. But the idea, pitting these things against one another, right? I was like, hey, this is a great way to talk about faith. Let's pit some concepts that we have against, about faith against one another, and let's talk about them. So uh, we started out by defining faith. Um, faith is something that a believer expresses and God responds to. And I've said over and over, I specifically use the word a believer and not a Christian, because it's not about Christianity. The whole reason Christianity exists is because there were believers who responded and showed faith and expressed their faith in Jesus Christ as God, and God responded to that. So the first one that we talked about uh, was our faith versus our history, right? Because we all have history. We all have, like, these things that we think that we did are so bad that God cannot overcome them. There's no way that God's going to be able to, 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 you know, overcome the, the this, 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 and I did. And then we looked at an instance where one woman who expressed faith, and God used her faith to not just overcome her history, but overcome the history of an entire people group. Right? And we said in the battle of faith versus our history, our faith wins every single time. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've come from, how bad things have been in the past. If you express faith in God, he is going to respond. Then we did another one, which is a very common one, our faith versus our works. Because there are whole denominations that say you have to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And I shouldn't just say denominations because that kind of leans towards what's well, just within Christianity. There are whole religious systems and other religions built around you have to work or earn or do enough to get into heaven, to connect to, to God, right? But then we looked at uh, verse after verse after verse, and specifically the one that says, we are saved not by our uh, works, 
right? But by our faith, it's not from our works so that we can't say we did it because we didn't. God did it. We express faith, and God responds to it. And we even looked at a couple of situations in one uh, where whole family and, and friends were sitting listening to Peter share the gospel, and while they were listening, they didn't have an altar call, they didn't give up, they didn't come give money into the offering, they did nothing but listen and believe, and then God responded by saying, okay, you believe, you get the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit, because now you believe, right? So we said, faith versus our works, our faith always wins out. And, and the reality is, it doesn't matter how hard you try, until you can die, rise from the grave, and then pay the penalty for the sins of humanity, you can't top what Jesus did. There's no work that we can do that will ever measure up to that. Right? So our works will never win. Our faith always be the one that allows us to become saved. Now, the one I want to talk about today is a popular one, especially today. And I put our health, because I didn't know any other way to say it. I was going to never mind. <laughs> I put our health, uh, you could say healing, you could say all of these things, because there are people, and we said this a couple of weeks ago, who, who, who make the statement that say, you don't have enough faith to prevent the sickness, right? The only reason you're sick is because you didn't have enough faith. Sometimes they word it as, hey, you must have some sin in your life. That's why you're sick or that's why you're struggling, which is not true. Again, based on the misunderstanding of Scripture. Uh, some people say you don't have enough faith to provide the healing. Hey, if you had enough faith, you would be over that cold, you would be over COVID, you'd, you'd be freed of your cancer, and all of that stuff also not true. Lies from the pit of hell. Because that's not the way it works. God definitely wants us to be whole, but as we said, his priority is always going to be first and foremost in, in, in trying to heal anyone is our spiritual wholeness, our spiritual health, that we're in right standing with him. So uh, we're going to jump through some scriptures today to talk about healing, to talk about God's desire to make us physically whole. Right? And if you're following along and you want to jump into the Bible, uh, we're going to be reading in um, John chapter 9 and then Mark chapter 6. I'm going to put all the verses up here on the screen if you want to just read along, but if you want to follow along in your Bible, John chapter 9 and Mark chapter 6. And in uh, John chapter 9, this is what we read. In John chapter 9, it says, as he went along, that he is Jesus, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, you don't have to be college educated to come to the realization that if you're dealing with a sickness or a disease from birth, it's probably not due to your lack of faith, right? If you came out of the womb blind, it's not your lack of faith that caused your blindness. Now, we can all understand that, right? Makes sense. But there are some people that for some reason don't. And it's not just today in our culture, but even in Jesus' day, there was this concept and this understanding that if you're dealing with a sickness, and again, not in Scripture, more of a cultural thing that got almost equated to a, a law, but it, it's not in Scripture. If you're dealing with a sickness, it's because of some sin in your life. Because if you were a right-standing good person in God's perspective, he would never allow you to get sick. None of those people read the book of Job, 
because we know otherwise, right? So uh, it says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And I don't think that God allowed this conversation to take place to show that his disciples were like dim-witted and didn't understand that the baby could not have sinned because it was born that way. I think he allowed this conversation to take place because that stereotypical concept was so ingrained in their culture that it overcame logic and common sense. Logic, I mean, it's, 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 it's physically impossible if the child was born blind for the child to have sinned in order to cause his blindness. That makes sense. But this is how ingrained some of these false beliefs are in the culture, that even upstanding religious people will look and say, oh, well, how did this happen? He must have sinned. Rather than give in to truth and logic, they fall back on a lot of stereotypes and misunderstandings, which, you know, throw out there COVID, it's been the truth today, right? Lots of stuff out there that's, that's not true, but people are responding to it and embracing it, right? So this is what Jesus says. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And I need to clarify, when it says this happened, there's two ways this happened. One way this happened is because God caused it to happen. Another way it happened is because God allowed it to happen, even though he did not cause it. Those are two totally different things. Now, uh, we spent months walking through the book of Exodus, so we know God definitely can cause sickness and plagues or whatever, right? Because that's Exodus was all about God freeing his people, so he just rained down plague after plague after plague on animals, on people, all kind of stuff. That's not what this is. This isn't God caused this to happen. This is God allowed it to happen. For this to be God caused it to happen, it would mean God looked at this couple and said, hey, they're about to conceive. I see the baby being formed, but I'm going to reach in I'm going to twist that baby's DNA so that it's born blind. That's not what happened. What did happen is God saying, I see this baby is about to be born. This baby is going to be born blind. I'm going to allow that to happen because I'm going to use that in his life and to bring glory to me. And as we read later on, he heals the guy. But then later, when, when, when the, the people in his family, his neighbors, and even, in, even the government leaders are like, there's no way that's real, his testimony is going to be, I don't care what you believe, I am healed, and I know that God did it. When his family won't stand up for him, he's like, I don't care, I'm healed. I can see now, I'm going to watch 3D movies all kind of stuff. I don't care if you believe me or not. When the government was like, we need some proof, he was like, here's the proof. I'm reading books. I just set up a Facebook account. I'm driving now. You don't have to believe me. Here's the proof. God healed me. And they're like, well, he can't be God. He's like, I don't care who you call him. Only God can heal. I'm healed. God did it. 
do with that what you will. And God used it not just for God's glory, but in his life. There is never going to be or never would be in the life of this man someone who would be able to come up to him and say, hey, all that God stuff you believe, that's not true. Doesn't matter what kind of evidence they bought because he's like, hey, you can say whatever you want, but you know what? I can see now God did it, right? So this is, this is what happened. Uh, after saying this, he, meaning Jesus, spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means set. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. This is where the faith came in. This is where it takes an act of faith. Here's, here's, here's what I want you to do. Uh, everyone just close your eyes for a minute. All right, just close your eyes. It's not going to be long. And try not to fall asleep, but close your eyes for a minute. Um, you guys that are watching online, close your eyes, unless you're driving, but if you're driving, you shouldn't be watching. Uh, just close your eyes for a minute, okay? Now, imagine, and some of you may not have to imagine, you have some kind of sickness or disease. For example, I have high blood pressure. You may have uh, cancer. You may have leukemia. You may be struggling with whatever it is. Imagine some disease that you have. And imagine that a guy comes up and he says, I'm going to be able to heal you of that disease. And you say, okay. And then all of a sudden you hear, and then you hear his hands rubbing around, right? And then his hands rubbing get closer and closer and closer and closer to your face. And now all of a sudden you feel those hands smacking all over your eyes. And then he says, okay, now all you need to do is go down to the point and wash in that fountain, and you will be healed. Now, keep your eyes closed for a minute because he, he was blind, but keep your eyes closed and imagine you're dealing with whatever it is, cancer, COVID, flu, pneumonia, leukemia, uh, whatever you're dealing with. You're making your way to the point, and it's really going to take an act of faith for you to go do this because the only thing going in your head is, did he just spit in my face? Is that what's supposed to heal me? Okay, you can open your eyes. How many acknowledge it? It would take an act of faith, first of all, to allow someone to spit in your eyes during a pandemic. But then if he said, okay, now just go down to the point and wash in the fountain. And I'm like, I've seen diapers floating in that thing. You want me to go wash? And that's what's going to heal me of a blindness I've had. And this man was probably, it says a man, uh, some say 30 or 40. It's more likely 25, 35 years old. I've been dealing with this thing my whole life. And you want me to go wash in a fountain after you spit in my eyes. And that's going to make me whole. It takes an act of faith to go do that. That's where the faith comes in. Because this man actually, he went down, he washed in the fountain, uh, he, he, he did what it said, uh, and, and, and you can't see this, but the, the next verse says his neighbors and, and everyone who's seen him said, that can't be the same guy. Because that guy was blind. This guy is some crazy guy washing in the, the, the pool of Siloam, but that can't be the guy who was blind. And he went home seeing because of his act of faith. And it wasn't a lack of faith. 
that caused his ailment, right? It's not a lack of faith that led to him being blind, but it was an act of faith that healed him. And here's the thing. It is God's desire. God doesn't want us to be sick and all that stuff. But sometimes God allows those things to happen because we cause them. We, we, we can't do detrimental things to our bodies and then say, hey, God, why, why aren't you healing me? Right? Like I said, I, I, I've had high blood pressure for years. I can't blame that on God. Um, one time, Christy's cousin, Jess, some of you guys have met her. Um, she doesn't listen to this, so I can talk about her. Uh, she was visiting us one time, and so after dinner, and then second dinner, because that's what I do, and then dessert and second dessert, because that's what I do. Dessert was one half of the pie. Second dessert was the rest, like an hour later. After that, I went and I got a bowl of cereal. Not a bowl, a salad bowl. Like what you would make a salad in to feed all the people in this room. I got that, filled it with cereal, and she watched, not making this up, she will tell you this, she watched as I filled a measuring cup with a cup and then a half of sugar, poured that onto the cereal, got one of the big spoons, and went and plopped down on the TV to, to just eat. And she was like, I feel like I need to, you know, just be ready to dial 911 because you're not going to make it through the night. <laughs> but I, I, and my son told me the same thing. He said, I can't believe, he's like, well, he didn't say I can't believe, but he was like, it makes sense that you have high blood pressure because you spent decades of doing nothing but eating fried food and sugar. I can't then come back and say, hey, God, why, why, why won't you heal me? When I continue, I mean, I've cut down now. I don't eat a whole pie, just a quarter. But when I continue to do the things that cause that, because our bodies are temples. God wants us to be whole. But he sees our bodies as temples, but we don't always see it that way. So we ingest things and do things and put things in our bodies that are harmful to our bodies. Really quick, uh, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians. Paul writes to the church, he says, Do you not know your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you received as a gift from God? You are not your own. You are brought with a price, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for, made his own. So then honor God and bring glory to him in your body. Now, context, right? Just, just so no one says I'm taking this out of context. He's talking about sexuality. He's talking about doing immoral sexual things to your body, to the temple where God resides. But the same could be applied to the foods we eat. Or, or, and I'm not disrespecting anyone who smokes or, or drinks or any of that, but we put things in our body that are harmful to our body. I started smoking at the age of 10. Okay, truth be told, it was around 9, but until I was well into my 30s at least or something. And I can't go back and blame God for the fact that, you know, I can't run 10 miles like I used to when I was younger because I did so much damage to my lungs. That's on me. That's not on God. God wants us to be whole, but God also wants to respect our choices. We have free will. And if we choose to put things and do things to our bodies that are not good, he's not going to override us 
because he wants to respect our free will. He is going to try to educate us and teach us, hey, that's not good for your body. All right? So God wants to heal us, and it's not faith in this some supernatural thing that heals us. It's faith in God. All right? So let me show you these last two things really quick. Mark chapter 5, this is what it says. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, synagogue leaders were pretty much, a synagogue was a group where you needed at least 10 men in order to have a synagogue. And they would just read through the Old Testament, uh, and it would, you can call it a Jewish church, for lack of a better term. They would be offended by that. That's basically what it was. They would get together, read through scriptures, pray together. Um, and one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and fell at the feet of Jesus. Now, the synagogue leaders weren't necessarily believers in Jesus because they felt, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees, that some of what he was teaching contradicted the Old Testament. It didn't contradict it. He was teaching the spiritual truth of it. But just like most of us and many people who don't believe in Jesus, nope, don't want nothing to do with your Jesus until I need him. Until something traumatic happens, until, until there's like a 9-11 or, or there's a pandemic and then people are flooding the online churches and, and like, where is God? And the same was true for this guy. He, he came, he fell at Jesus' feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she would be healed and live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. He didn't come and say, hey, I need some magic or I need some whatever. He said, I need you, Jesus. His faith in his daughter's ability to be healed was in Jesus, who Jesus was, right? But while this happened, large crowd followed. They pressed around him, um, and a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So in this crowd, there was a woman who was dealing with some internal bleeding. And she spent years trying to, to get it right, going to doctor after doctor after doctor. And I have to say, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to doctors when we have medical problems or mental problems. Right? There is nothing wrong with that. Don't believe the hype. There is nothing wrong with the people who say, hey, I, I, you know what? I'm a God-fearing Christian, but I'm going to get a vaccine. Go for it. Do whatever is right for you and your family. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, all right? But people have this concept that, oh, you don't need to go to a doctor if you have faith. That's not true. There are many God-fearing doctors. There are many God-fearing counselors and, and therapists and, 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 and surgeons and neurobiologists or whatever they're all they're called and ultrasound technicians because that's what my wife is. There's absolutely nothing wrong. But... Sometimes that doesn't work. And especially, I, I can't say historically that there was anything spe specific about what she was dealing with other than the medical advancements to heal her probably did not exist yet for what she was dealing with. They didn't exist to man. They existed for God. So uh, when she heard about Jesus... When it says she heard about Jesus, his ability to heal, and that he was there, she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. 
Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now, imagine this. First and foremost, let me tell you this. Where it says she thought if I touch his cloak, her belief was not in if I touch the cloak alone. Like if Jesus had taken off the cloak, left it on a, a covered bench, and then walked away, she would not have tried to make her way to the cloak. She was trying to make her way to Jesus. And she thought, if he, he is so powerful that if I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. Not because of the cloak or the clothing, but because of Jesus. Now, I need you to picture this. Uh, years ago, when I was at uh, Cross Current Church, um, I was a teaching pastor there, but I was also in charge of, like, Sunday celebrations. Uh, we had what we were called producers who would, based on the message that was going to be preached, determine, here's some worship songs that will go for that, maybe a video or a dance or a dramatic piece. There was a pastor that was going to be preaching through this passage of Scripture. So I said to a friend of mine named Jen, I was like, hey, uh, we're going to dress you in, you know, robes of that day, right? And they had tables and chairs like we do. And I said, while he's preaching this, I want you to get up from your chair and make some noise when you do it so people know that you're moving around, kind of bump into people, excuse me, make your way through the crowd, but also maybe do it with like a limp or something that shows you're in pain. It's one of the reasons we had her in clothes of the day so no one would dial 911 thinking there's a woman in pain. But, uh, and she did. And then she made her way through the crowd, got to the middle, and then just started limping. Like the pastor standing here preaching, and she just started limping up to the stage. And when he got to this passage of scripture, she kind of collapsed on the stage and started kind of like crawling over to him. And as he was preaching, she just grabbed the leg of his pants just as he was walking away. And as she grabbed it, she let go. And then while he continued preaching, she's on the other side of the stage just like rejoicing that she is now whole, that she's, she can move, that she's been healed. And the only reason I bring that up is so that you can get the imagery of someone who has been suffering so long and then finally gets relief and healing from God. And I bring this up because there are some churches that say that, hey, God doesn't heal people today. Again, that is a lie from the pit of hell. There is nowhere in Scripture where God says, after this point, I'm going to stop healing people. There are plenty of places where we read throughout the Scripture where God continues to heal people. And we are told by James, he says, pray for people to be healed, for sick people to be healed. So we pray. We don't have a say on who God heals. We do have a say on whether or not we ask for healing. So Jesus then turns around, and he's like, hey, somebody touch me. And the disciples are like, there's a huge crowd. What are you talking about? He's like, no, I felt the power go out of me, which is a powerful statement. And then he turns to her, and he says, hey, or, or she actually says, hey, it was me, it was me. I knew if I could just touch you, I would be healed. And then he says this. This is his response. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And there's a reason why he addresses her as daughter. Because like I told you before, God is always concerned not just with our physical healing, but with our spiritual well-being. And even though it's not biblical, right, it's not in the Old Testament, in that culture, 
because of one, the men-women thing and, you know, men touching women, all that kind of stuff, but also because there was a specific cloth that was used in the robes of the rabbis, right? And that, that cloth and the material and the dyes was expensive. And so they, were, they, they had a law that if anyone other than a family member touched that cloth while that person was wearing it, it was considered a sin. So to put that in today's context, um, I spent a lot of money on T-shirts. So imagine if, if there was a law, hey, Floyd spends a lot of money on T-shirts. Anyone other than his family touches that shirt, it's considered a sin, which is ridiculous to us. But again, we're talking about those things that the culture believes, even though it defies all logic and reasoning. So when he says to her daughter, He's acknowledging her as a daughter, even though she's not physically his daughter, but as God she is. He's now alleviated that law because he said, your family, by addressing her as a daughter who touched his clothing, that sin that everyone thought would be on her was removed. And then he acknowledged, go in peace and be freed from your suffering, right? So our faith definitely can heal us. It will heal us. And it's just, it's just so hard sometimes when you see people that either, oh, I don't, I, I, Christians, I don't, I don't want to pray. I don't want to do this because it's not like God's going to heal me. Yes, he can. Or when we know that God can heal us, but we're not willing to go to him. Now, while all this is going on, Jairus is still there. Like, dude, we got to go. My daughter, she needs you, right? So uh, while Jesus was still speaking to the woman, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. This is Jesus encouraging him to have faith, to believe. The faith of the woman that healed her, right, her faith in Jesus, is what Jesus is telling Jairus, I need you to have that level of faith. Just believe me. And there were people who laughed. There were people who mocked. But, of course, Jesus did uh, heal her daughter as well. And sometimes it's not a question of, do I have faith? Sometimes uh, it's just a little bit of doubt, Right? All of us have had that before where, you know what, I think God can do this, but can he really? There's that little bit of doubt, which is what Jairus was dealing with. And, and just one more scripture. I was going to have us come up and sing, but uh, we'll just wind down with this last piece of scripture. All right? Jesus asked this boy's father, and this is about a demonic possession, whole different level of healing. If I had time, uh, I would talk about that whole different level of healing, so I won't. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this, this guy who was possessed by a, a demonic spirit. And he answered, from childhood, he answered, and he's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, if you're able to do this, then show mercy and do it. And this is what Jesus responds. If you can, said Jesus, everything, mark this, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
I do believe you're, you're, you're God and you're able, but, but help me overcome my doubt. I do believe that, that you can, you know, uh, yeah, I've heard about the woman that you healed with her blood, but this is a whole next level thing. Help my unbelief. I do believe that you're God, and the Bible says you've healed lots of people, but this is a global pandemic. Help my unbelief. Help that doubt that I have that you're able to do it. And here's the thing. Um, acknowledging our doubt in the face of adversity, not a lack of faith. It's just a part of being human. It's just the reality of who we are. I've doubted God multiple times. I'm sure many of you had faced situations where you're like, I don't know if I should even pray about this. Whether it be financial issues, health issues, or uh, just any kind of struggles or adversities, we're going to have doubt. That doesn't mean we don't have faith. And I know right now a lot of division because of this pandemic. And I shared this when I did a, uh, a TikTok uh, live video that for the church, we can have doubt about what's going to happen. Uh, like I said, we can be angry, masking, anti-vaxxing, all that stuff. But that should not get us to turn on one another. As a matter of fact, it should drive us to our knees in prayer because if anything, we've seen for the last whatever months that there is no government that is able to handle everything that's being thrown at the world right now. Not our government. This is not a U.S. problem across the world. Countries are being impacted by a pandemic. So this isn't a Christian thing. It's not a religious thing. It's not a U.S. thing. This is a thing that should drive the church together on its knees to God and say, we need you. And I'm going to close with these two final thoughts. And I know I keep saying that, but that's what pastors do. One is, um, uh, and I, I haven't shared that from the pulpit. I've shared this on videos before, uh, that um, there's a woman named Alyssa Hope Wagner. And she contacted myself and uh, 39 other summer pastors, summer ministry leaders, summer authors, and asked us to compile some information about some just amazing stories of what God has done. Uh, and she compiled it into a book called The Pandemic Devotionals. And what I often tell people, because I hear people ask this all the time, well, where's God during this pandemic? And I will send them a copy of this book and say, here are 40 different answers to that question where God has shown up. And I'm sure there are so many more. And uh, if you guys are interested, go get it. It's on Amazon. None of the authors get any money from the sale of this book. All the proceeds go to charity. And some of the authors, myself included, we donated some extra money to the charity and so that the book could be put in the hands of those people who are just looking for hope throughout this pandemic. And since we're going back into, what looks like more back into continuing however you want to put it, this pandemic, you probably know some people that have some doubts about where is God during this pandemic. Get a copy of this for them. I forget how much it is. I think it's like $10 or $12. If you can't afford a copy, let me know. We'll figure something out to get it into the hands of people who need hope. And the last thing is I want to pray uh, for the church, and I want to pray for just unity. So I'm going to ask if you guys would all stand.
And if you would just bow your heads. God, we, we realize that there's a lot, a lot of animosity and anger and frustration and anxiety and hopelessness because of this pandemic. We realize that there are a lot of God-honoring, God-fearing, Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-filled people who are now on opposite sides of conversations and discussions and arguments because of this pandemic. But we also realize that there is a God who unites his people. We also realize that if we're Christ followers, then the same blood that was shed for us is what unites us. The same spirit is in all of us, the spirit of the same God who raised Jesus from the dead. And we pray for unity. We pray that we would work together, uh, maybe not to resolve the pandemic, but to help people that are impacted by it, to make sure people are fed, to make sure people are clothed, to do whatever we can to help those who are losing jobs and businesses. But we also pray that we would be in prayer. Because there are so many people who are going to be seeking you and our division may drive them away from you. Our harsh Facebook posts and arguments are not going to lead them to you. So we pray that you would pour out your spirit on your people in a way that unites us, that binds us, that allows us to point to a God who loves us enough to send his son to die for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.